The next story combines two of my favorite things, football and alcohol. Because Bud Light has announced they will give Cleveland Browns fans free beer if the team wins a game this year. Yeah, I realize. As they revamp this secondary, Mayfield and the Browns get the win over the Jets. I learned early on in my career that the roses and the flowers of life do not bloom very often, but when they do, you have to stop and enjoy them. And last night, probably one of my most favorite marketing campaigns that my team uh, has created came to fruition in that the Cleveland Browns finally won a game in almost two years, unlocking the Bud Light refrigerators that we put inside bars in Cleveland. And I can't tell you. I mean, look, pinball's fun, guys. Cars are fun. Music is fun. But when you do something in your career that produces something of value, there is no more satisfaction than that. And I know that that happens in the pinball world. It happens in other areas of our lives. But I just want to tell you, I am probably in one of the best moods in my life, and I, you know, this is what I chase in life, and in my career, and, and in everything in general, is just the feeling that an idea that you come up with is executed in a way that works out so well, and millions of people are excited and talking about that thing, and that's why I love marketing, it's, it's why I love what I do, it's why I love working on big brands like Bud Like, because people are enthusiastic about drinking beer, right? And so I just wanna say on this episode of 200 and what, like it's like 63 or 64, are you even counting at this point what podcast number this is? Um, I wanna talk about pinball, I wanna talk about what I think is uh, going on in the hobby. I also want to do a little bit of a reaction to my last podcast where I reflected on pinball machines and on whether or not I feel like pinball is devolving, right? Some people have sent me emails saying that, you know, Chris, you're devolving as a podcast. You're getting too jaded again. You're getting too negative. You need to understand like it's just pinball. And I get it. I get it, ladies and gentlemen. It is just pinball. But why can't pinball be as good as pinball was? That is just the very basic question that I want to know is can't we make games today that are as good as the old games? And why isn't that possible? I think one of the things that confuses me a lot is it's pretty much the same damn people making the games that made it back then. And I think I, start, I, I came to a conclusion, and I want to share my conclusion with you today, okay? And here is what I was thinking about, because I listened to my last podcast, and I came away thinking, you know, maybe I was a bit too harsh on Stern, and maybe I was a bit too unrealistic of what I expect from them and other pinball companies in 2018, but I'm not really sure that's the case. Uh, but here's what I think. Here's what I think. I came to this conclusion 
that it might be impossible to make a Bally Williams kind of game today with all of the, the, the great themes, the great engineering, the great mechanisms, the great code, the great light shows, everything that made Bally Williams games so special and stand so far above everyone else's pinball efforts of the time. Are we ever going to see a company that who's leading the pinball industry but also making the greatest games in pinball and we're not there right now and and here's here's what i think happened and we talked a little bit about this is stern survived the complete collapse of the pinball industry and they did whatever it took to get through to the future and you have to give them credit for that now my question is this my question is this is it possible for Stern to make games at the volume and cadence they do and also make games as good as Bally Williams games were? Is it possible for Stern to do that because they don't sell, you know, 10, 12, 15,000 units of those games, right? So when Bally Williams was making those games and selling them for you know, two to four thousand dollars, they were selling ten thousand a pop, twelve thousand a pop, fifteen thousand a pop, twenty thousand uh, Adams families. You know, if you sell twenty thousand Adams families and you have pre-orders up the wazoo by operators and distributors and whatnot, you know how how can you make a game as good as Adams Family if you're making the monsters? Now, the other side of the argument is this. Those games were also two to three thousand dollars. So shouldn't Stern be able to make games that good if they're charging nine thousand dollars? Now the answer is yes, but here's the problem. Here is the problem: is that Stern makes games that are not nine thousand dollars. The Stern game that we all buy is roughly around five thousand dollars. Now, if you look at inflation. If you look at inflation, that's pretty much where games were in the mid-90s. So Stern hasn't really charged more for pinball. The games are definitely not as good. A Stern Pro is nowhere near what you got in a Bally Williams game. But for the most part, Stern is still just making $5,000 machines. And, and people who are paying $7,500 for the premiums, are kind of getting ripped off and people who are paying $9,000 for the LEs are absolutely getting ripped off. I mean, it is kind of comical that a Stern LE is almost twice the price of the Pro and look at what the differences are now in these games. So the question that I'm asking is let's let's tackle this from a few angles. Do we think Stern is capable of making games as good as Bally Williams? Well, the answer is I don't think so. They've never made a game that has been as good as a Bally Williams game. They've never given you the same kind of quality, world under glass, incredible kind of machine that we got. Like if you put Medieval Madness, you put Attack from Mars, you put, um, you know, you put Twilight Zone, you put Whitewater, you put Funhouse, you know, you put, you just line up Tales of the Arabian Nights and it keeps going. Right? Theater of Magic, all the Papadook titles, Bally Williams titles. If you put the, those games next to all of the Stern games we've, we've received uh, in the, over the last 20 years, it's still comical how much better they are. So Stern as a company, 
you, you could ask this question, can they actually create a game that good? That is that amazing. Now, look, this is, t this is where we get into subjective land of like, well, Stern games are fun. People are enjoying them and they're having fun with their pinball experiences. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying the games themselves, Stern's approach to creating a fun pinball experience has a lot more to do with things that, that are physically a lot cheaper to make. So that by that, I mean, they're going with the coding and they're going with the theme and they're going with the artwork as the main drivers of their pinball experience. And it's, it's smart for them, for a business standpoint, to do that because those things, as we've said, are much more reliable. They don't break. You know, Stern doesn't want to have to constantly be fixing games. And, you know, pinball machines break a lot. Now, Bally Williams games, the quality was, was really good. You know, I mean, for the most part, especially if you put those games in a home use only environment, they survived because they were built like tanks to take the abuse of an arcade. So of course they would survive for years if they ended up in someone's living room or game room, right? Okay, so the question there, so I don't think Stern has the ability to make a game as good as Bally Williams. Now, here's what got me very excited about the pinball hobby over the last like three to four years, okay? Is that the boutique companies that came in and saw what Stern was doing and saw the money Stern was making, they came in with the desire to make games as good as Bally Williams. And I think some of them were getting very, very close, right? Let's, let's talk about who I think still to this day, I think the one game that reminds me of a Bally Williams game, the one game that I think is the greatest uh, theme interpretation, has the most fun toys, gives everybody what they want, just sort of, I, I think this is the modern day Bally Williams game. That game is the Big Lebowski. I, I still have a hard-on for that game. And it makes my hard-on so limp when I think about the two wet noodles that ran that company so piss poorly from a business standpoint, but they made the best fucking game I've seen in pinball in the last, you know, five to 10 years, without a doubt. If I could have one pinball machine in this apartment that would be, be reliable, have customer service, it is a big Lebowski. And where they fucked up is they made the Bally Williams game. They made the game that I think a lot of people wanted. If Dutch Pinball had said, we're gonna make just 500 of these, and each one, and I'm not even fucking with you here, if each one, they could have said each one is $15,000, okay? But we're only making 500. They would have sold every single one. They would have made a few million dollars and been on to game number two, Back to the Future. And I don't, for the life of me, understand why they price that game out of business. Same thing on title number two, which gets us as close as possible to the Bally Williams error, and that is The Wizard of Oz. There is no denying that this machine is an impressive feat. There is so much in it. It is a unique design. It brings the theme integration to life in a really amazing way. 
it is, you know, look, I'll say this about The Wizard of Oz. My only issues with it are the layout. It's a kind of a quirky layout. I hate the left out lane. I hate the way the ball drains there so easily just to get to that, you know, what is it, that save shot that you can get, the Toto or whatever. I, I forget. I haven't, you know, it's got the hot air balloon there. I hate that design there. Um, but I can't deny the fact that the Wizard of Oz has two fucking upper play fields, has, you know, these amazing pop bumper trees, has the monkey comes and grabs the ball with the magnet, the witch comes up from underneath the play field. I mean, look at all this stuff going on in the Wizard of fucking Oz. And then tell me what's going on in Iron Maiden. Tell me what's going on in Deadpool. I mean, it's comical. And what's comical is Jack Priest himself out of business with Wizard of Oz, right? He made the game and he asked $6,500 for, I think, what is one of the most gorgeous and, and everything and the kitchen sink is inside it and the wood apron. Can we talk about that wood apron? I mean, Jack went the extra mile to make this game his sort of like his opus. Like this is the, you know, the first track from Jersey Jack Pinball. And he prices it at $6,500. And he goes out of business because the cost to make each game was pretty much what he was charging. Now, if you look at Wizard of Oz today, if Jack launched Wizard of Oz today and said, this game is $10,000, I don't think anyone would say anything. I think they would hand over their money. I think he sold 4,000 of them for a reason because it's a fucking, it's a lot for your money, you know, not exactly the theme pinball people are, are in love with, but it's a lot for your money. But here's the thing. So you've got, you got so, so Dutch pinball out of business, the company that's making, I think, the, the closest to Bally Williams. Jersey Jack Pinball, the second company making games closest to uh, the Bally Williams era. What happens to them? They go out of business, not once, not twice, Three times Jersey Jack Pinball ran out of money. There should be no Jersey Jack Pinball today, all right? If he did not get bailed out, the company would be gone, all right? So they would be gone the same way Dutch Pinball is gone, the same way Highway Pinball is gone, all right? So literally, literally, if, if you know, I don't think American Pinball's made money on Houdini. We'll talk a little bit about them in a second, but imagine this scenario, people. Imagine if sometime around 2016, 2015, Jersey Jack Pinball goes out of business and everyone who had money in on The Hobbit lost their money and that company goes under. That is what the natural laws of economics would have, uh, would have suggested be the outcome if Jack didn't get a bailout. Now look, it's business. You get investors. You do get financial help. But I don't believe that Jersey Jack Pinball has ever turned a profit in six, what, seven years. They've never made money. All right. And by that, I mean the company. You can't just look at, I think, was probably after 4,000 being sold is profitable. I highly doubt dialed in with so few sold is profitable. I highly doubt The Hobbit was profitable for all the money Jack spent on the license and all the parts they ordered and the amount of games they sold. And it sucks because they were trying to make pinball something more, right? They were trying to top what Bally Williams was doing, but they went out of business, right? Who else went out of business? Skit B, out of business. Another startup boutique, out of business. 
was that 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 Vonnie guy out of business? I even forget what title it was. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on and on of how bad Zidware Pinball out of business, right? On and on and on of everyone who's tried to make a pinball game that has been as good as Bally Williams has gone out of business, right? It would be so sad to me if this hobby today was just spooky and stern. I mean, how depressing does that sound? You know, the, the, the whole thing is pinball as, a, as an industry, it, it, it should have gone out of business. It is seeing a resurgence and it is seeing a regrowth, I think, for a few reasons. I think the number one reason is this. I think there is an absolute pushback on the digital world. I do. I see it everywhere. I don't just see it in, in toys and pinball and in video games. I think people are tired of the antisocial nature of the digital world where people are just staring at their fucking cell phones all day long. I think social media is a goddamn dumpster. It's a ginormous trash can of this like look at me culture look at me who does nothing like look at my fucking this that that it's it i mean it's all it is and everyone's a fucking hater you know and i think there's a pushback and i think there's a desire to get back to the analog world and pinball is the goddamn greatest analog game of all time there has never been a game there's never been a toy. There's never been a thing in the arcade that quite like pinball, right? And I think the analog nature of it, the unpredictability of the game is what makes pinball so fucking magical. It's why you love it. It's why I love it. I mean, as much as we say it's still the same game and games get old, yes and no. The game will always play different every single time you play it. Go play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Arcade. Go play Donkey Kong. The stat is the same fucking game every time you play it. All right? Game doesn't get old because the game plays different every time. You might get bored of like the modes. And that is why I think it's absolutely stupid. Someone said this, and I forget where. When you have a hit game with a hit layout and a hit, you know, hit mechanisms. Why don't they just update the code once a year to a whole new adventure within that world? Someone's already spent all that money and you could simply just add more, add more objectives, add more side missions, make that and make that code charge people for it a few hundred bucks just so you can pay for the money to R&D that code. That is what the video game industry does. It's so stupid. This, this is all you needed to do. So I think Jerry tried to do too much. I don't want to be swapping out play fields. I don't want to be swapping out like mechanisms. I don't want to have to like, like put a fucking play field under my bed. No, I just want to stick a USB stick into my game and have a new game built on top of the universe that I love, that I'm never going to get old of, right? Or sick of or tired of. All right, so Jersey Jack out of business. Everyone else out of business. A terrifying world in which just spooky and stern exists. And so the conclusion I came to, though, is because if you, have, if you realize why all these companies went out of business, it's because they ran out of money. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. It's so that making pinball 
and trying to make a great game while selling your machine, while finding distributors, while, while, while finding buyers, it's really hard. And here's the mistake I think everybody made. I think the pinball hobby and I think the boutique guys were all business morons because I think they all priced their games too low. And I think they all felt the same pressure that I think drives uh, Charlie Emery. And I think it drives some of these guys that they act like they want to make games priced at a point that, that so that it's obtainable to people to broaden the pinball hobby, right? To like expand pinball in the world. And that's why I think it's the dumbest fucking thing for boutique manufacturers to be boutique and low end. Like if you're boutique and you're selling at $6,000, $7,000, you're selling low end pinball machines. And if you want to make a boutique pinball company profitable and you want to make it work, you've got to go for more of a, 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 a more high end exclusive experience. So you've, and, and look, Chuck is doing that with exclusivity, but the games aren't there. He's making like mediocre games and he's limiting them to a certain number. But without that limited number, no one's really buying. But it's weird because he's making like, like limited edition games that almost don't like why like they, it's just like I, I don't think he understands the, like what he's trying to actually do right I mean it's it, it's it, it, it doesn't make sense to me like why would you buy one when you can get when you can get a Stern Pro that is better that has better design that has a better theme that has better almost better everything like why other than to support the new guy but here's the thing Chuck and I've said this to everyone and it's not just Chuck Chuck you're making games for home collectors Home collectors are rich. They have money. I'm sorry, but there are so many multimillionaires in this hobby. It's laughable. It's laughable but that these boutique guys came in and wanted to price it at a certain price point because they almost felt guilty pricing it where they needed to price it to stay in business, right? Stern has a ginormous overhead cost. They need to do what they do. They need to ship their games without complete code. They need to get the hot themes. They need to, they need to entice you just enough to buy and, and get you frenzied about every new launch. They need to do all that to stay in business, okay? Stern Pinball cannot make games like Jersey Jack Pinball and release them at the cadence they do. They could not get the price point where they want it to be, and they could not stay in business, if they tried to do what Jersey Jack did. And I think that to me is ultimately why I'm frustrated at times in this hobby is because I think this hobby is nothing but an endless compromise. Why can't we get a company to make a Bally Williams kind of game and that stays in fucking business? And I don't care what you price it at. Charge me whatever. I just want you to succeed in getting your product to market. You know, and the Big Lebowski, it's, it's a proof point of that. Uh, Highway Pinball, I don't know. Those games weren't Bally Williams. I mean, I didn't even talk about them. But let's, I think those games were just, they weren't going to make it. They weren't going to make it. Um, American Pinball to me and Deep Root, those are the two that I'm looking at. If you were to ask me, because the others are gone. I mean, who are you looking at? Like a Jersey, I'm tired of looking at Jersey Jack 
because Jack doesn't get it. He just, wh- why would I think Jack will now figure it out? He's had seven years to figure out how to do this and make it fire on all cylinders. And it's just, it's always a compromise with them. You can't tell me that Pirates of the Caribbean in 2018 doesn't feel like a complete compromise title. Nobody wants the theme. They compromised on the mechanisms. They, they fucked up the launch. They made people wait a year. There's absolutely zero hype for that game right now. Zero. Okay? And yeah, I get it. People are going to finally get them when? In October? They fucked it all up. They showed the game a year ago. This has been one of, like, we wanted this company to be uh, more efficient by now. The two companies that I'm looking at with expectations, with hope, and with faith are American Pinball and Deep Root. Now, you might be saying, Chris, what the fuck, Deep Root? What, what, what are they, what are they showing? What are they the reason why I am looking at Deep Root with faith and hope is because all I know now is that they have a team, they've been quiet, they have people who know what they're doing in pinball, and they're they're gonna have to deliver. Right? I mean, like it's it's that simple. I mean, they they said TPF, we're gonna start to see the five days of deep root. I like that they haven't taken anyone's money. I like that they haven't, you know, said here's a game and you can have it a year from now. And also, like, look, I mean, this is the reality of all new pinball companies. You know, you ha- we always will give them the benefit of the doubt. The other thing I like about Deep Root is this. The majority of Robert Mueller's collection are Bally Williams games. He is not shy about saying those are his favorite games. That is what he's on a mission to do is get us back to an era where pinball was a world under glass and magical things happened with the pinball. I love that they put the Ghostbusters game on the wall and said, here's what we're not going to do. All right. Make a game with a ton of shots that are all frustrating. That is a complete terrible design. And then rune, rune Ghostbusters pinball forever. And that's what sucks. Like Star Wars. Fuck. Now we're not going to get a good Star Wars pin like forever. You know, Stern stole the Star Wars license, basically. I mean, they didn't steal it. It wasn't, like, lost or, like, they didn't rob it, but they took it away from Jersey Jack Pinball. They did everything to get it from Jersey Jack. Who would you rather have had make Star Wars, Stern or Jersey Jack Pinball? And that's the that's the truth. That's the little thing, like, nobody wants to tell their friends who work at Stern is that, of course, everybody would love to see their favorite theme get the Jersey Jack treatment over the Stern treatment. But chances are Jack would probably go to business 10 times over trying to figure out how to make that game and make it profitable. You know, it's just that simple. And then I saw, so, okay, so I've got deeper. And then American Pinball. Look, I'm hard on Oktoberfest. I'm hard on these guys because I care. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's tough love. I Because I do think, that American Pinball cares a lot. I think they care a lot about putting a lot into their games. I think they put a lot into Houdini. I think the game had to be rushed because of the situation John put them in. And I think they are going to learn from their mistakes on Houdini. And I think Oktoberfest is going to shoot very well. 
I think the theme is still going to be the challenge. I think if they make it work, if they make it work, and there's a lot of fun stuff in the game, and from what I've seen with the ramps and the little teaser shot, already looks like there's more going on there than Deadpool. Uh, if Josh Kugler can make the screen not look like, you know, it's clip art from 1993. Josh, I'm talking to you, bro. I know you listen to the show. I know you ignore my emails now. It's not personal, bro. It's not personal, but the game's got to look better. It's got to look better. And here's the other thing, and I told this to Josh Kugler. I told this to that Scott Goldstein guy they had doing their marketing. I told this to Dobble. You guys need to learn. You need to make LE versions of your games. You, what, what is this, like one version that we make forever? That is the dumbest way to market pinball in 2018. You're selling to people who want limited versions of things. They want a collectible. It's absolutely ignorant and marketing stupidity to not offer a version of your game that is limited unless the game is limited. Like Charlie doesn't need to do Alice Cooper LEs if he's only making 500. But if you're making anything more than 500, you need a variation of that game that is extra special, that charges more, that makes the home collector want it. Because when you don't and you say we're just making unlimited amounts of Oktoberfest, you know what happens? There's no urgency to buy. People wait. They don't care. And by the time they think about it, five new games have come out with limited edition promises that will make them have the fear of missing out and you'll lose out on those sales. It's just that simple. I know what I'm talking about with marketing people. Maybe now, maybe Bonnie Tyler, the Bud Light fridges, the, what we do for a living, how we create a good story, how we create excitement, how we get people to buy products. I think I know what I'm talking about. Stern is a genius at this. Stern marketing department knows exactly what they're doing and it works every time. It's going to work with Munsters. It's going to work with Beatles because they understand if we just make one less than people want, we're okay. And look, sometimes they, they get the number wrong. Deadpool LE still not sold out. There aren't 500 people that really want a Deadpool LE. And I don't think it will. It may eventually sell out, but whenever a Stern LE doesn't immediately sell out, I consider that a failure. I consider that a marketing flop. You know, I bet there's still there's still Aerosmith LEs for sale. Same same will be true of Deadpool. It it, it just won't be um, you know that hard to get. Uh, it, it's just the game is just going to go down as one of those. I think those you know the middle the middle tier for Stern. It's not one of the juggernauts, ironically, because he's in the game. All right, so that's my point. Is I'm tired of the compromises. I want us to get to a place where we can have Sterns. Like Sterns are fine. A Stern is a Stern is a Stern. You know, it's like a Honda. Like a Honda is a Honda, a Honda. Every once in a while, Honda will give you the Type R Civic, and it's really awesome. And, you know, people who have them think they're the best cars ever. Like people who have Sterns, who think Sterns are the best pinball machines ever, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, buddy, uh, maybe not. Like take a look at these cars. Like take a look at these pins. And when you spend more time on those old pins, it's impossible not to come away and be like, yeah, you're right. Like, this stuff's fucking amazing. Um, a Stern is a Stern is a Stern. They've got the formula down to stay in business and make money. And I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that Stern exists. Without them, there'd be nobody. Nobody. But what I'm not happy with are these boutique companies that continue to fuck it up by pricing themselves out of business. It's like they feel guilty taking money from these rich guys who have money to burn. 
I mean, I know some of these men personally. Let me tell you something. A, a $15,000 pinball machine to these guys means nothing. It might mean a lot to some of the vocal members on Pinside, but if you follow your marketing advice by what the Pinside people say, you're also a fucking idiot. Pinside, those people, for the most part, they're going to buy your stuff regardless. Anyone who goes on a forum like that all day long and obsessively talks about pinball is a fucking addict. That site has turned into such shit. I'm, I'm not, like, literally, it, it, it's not even enjoyable anymore. I mean, I tell this to my friends in, in the pimp podcasting world. I'm like, it's like, it used to be fun to like browse through you know, pin side and see what's going on. It's like so fucking boring now. Now, you know where the excitement in pinball is? You know where the exciting content lives? It's in the podcast world. There's so many great pinball podcasts. There's so many great uh, pinball YouTube channels. There's so much good pinball on stream. I love it, man. The personalities of pinball, and there's a lot of us. Like we've fragmented into our own channels, in our own mediums. And I think we're delivering the most enjoyable places to go find out what's going on in pinball. And I think the people on the forum are the guys like, you know, sitting behind the computer getting like, you know, their waistlines are expanding more than Jersey Jack wide bodies. And they're just angry and bitter and like arguing with, with each other. They look so stupid. I mean, how fucking creepy is it when you go into the Oktoberfest thread and see these dudes posting like pictures of women with their cleavage and beer in hand. I get it. But have you ever seen these dudes at a show? The, these dudes have never, ever been around a woman like that. And it's just so fucking creepy. It's like when you go to those chiller theaters and like these like, you know, these little like, ro like, like guys are like sweating, like talking to playmates who were playmates like 20 years ago. And they're like, I used to watch. It's like, oh my fucking God, stop with the creepiness. Anyway, here's why I'm excited for pinball 2019. I'm excited to see what American pinball does. I'm excited to see what Deep Root does. I'm excited for the Munsters, which is going to have a lower play field, which is really cool. Stern's going to, you know, it's probably just a reskin of ACDC. But anyway, no, they're going to have a lower play field. I think that's really awesome. Um, I'm really excited to see Franchi's artwork on the Munsters. Uh, I'm excited to see the Beatles. I'm excited, you know, for everything after Pirates of the Caribbean. I want to see Willy Wonka. Here's the thing. If Eric is designing Willy Wonka, it's not next because he's just started designing the next game in April, which means I still think that Pat Lawler's Toy Story is next. I think that Jersey Jack himself planted the rumor that Wonka was going to be next. And I think he's going to try and pull one on us and slot Toy Story back. Because I think he wants everyone to not talk about Toy Story and then deliver a Pat Lawler Toy Story. You heard it here first. Toy Story is next. It's not Guns N' Roses it's going to be Toy Story. I think Wonka is a ways off. And I think Jersey Jack needs a standard body Toy Story game. Jack, I will send you a check for $12,500 for the collector's edition of Toy Story. Because it is my favorite movie. It is one of the best franchises ever. And is the perfect theme for pinball. Take my money now, Jack. Will you take it? Will you? I don't want to play Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't want to figure out how to like decode Keith's coding. I, I don't. I'm, I'm tired. I don't want 250 inserts. Give me simple pinball fun with a world under glass 
and magic. And don't make people compromise. All right, everyone. Have a great Friday. Go get a Bud Light. Celebrate. Drink beer. Play pinball. But exercise. Trust me. You'll feel better. And hey, we're coming up to the point where like the twippies are, are upon us th this fall. And, you know, I heard, I heard from somebody that, you know, pinball podcasts, they don't matter when it comes to twippy winning until November. Uh, I heard that from somebody. And that only if you do good shows in November will you win a Twippy. So, I, look, that's why I'm giving you guys all these shitty shows right now because you know this show. It's terrible. And we're not – even though we're the only one who, who have won a Twippy, um, we're going to uh, – we're, we're probably going to – you know, we're going we're gonna to keep the fall shows pretty shitty until November. And then I'm going to get really good again. Then I'm going to get, uh, you know, George Gomez back and Gary Stern and uh, Jersey Jack on. And we'll just do interviews uh, for hours and hours and hours. And we'll win the trippy again. Now, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, you, know what, you know what means something to me? That you guys listen. Out of all the pinball podcasts out there, I do think I have the most sort of loyal listener base. And I can tell that because I kind of get like the same number of listens all the time. I don't care that when those guys listen to me once. I don't because I do an interview with someone and then I get like a lot more listens and then, you know, they trail off. I don't really care. I, I love my little corner of the pinball universe. I love that you guys who listen to me on a weekly basis, you enjoy this format in pinball. Uh, this is how I like to think about pinball. Uh, I hope this is how you feel about pinball. Um, but even if you don't feel this way, I'm glad you listen to the show. And again, as I said, I think the best pinball content it's happening by guys like like Zach and Greg. Uh, it's happening. I, I love their show now. Have you seen it now? Now they've done more to make it entertaining. And I saw people on Pinside complaining that these dudes made their show more entertaining. I mean, for fuck's sakes, can these fucking winos just leave? Their show is fucking awesome. And you've got these fucking losers who are complaining that they take extra time to put more into their show and they're complaining that just get right to the pinball. Just get right to the pinball. Hey, man, there are, there are plenty of guys who just talk only about the pinball. And it's fucking boring, man. Don't make me bring back Tony Montagna, okay? You want me to watch a Twitch stream for three hours so I can see a fucking disco ball? Fuck you losers. Okay, guys, have a great Friday. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>